we are long overdue, and we are back with another episode of the Around Georgia podcast. We just capped off an amazing college football season and finished with another college football playoff national championship celebration between the hedges there at Sanford Stadium. And now it's time for the Super Bowl of NASCAR, arguably the biggest race in motorsports, the Great American Race, the Daytona 500 is this Sunday. We can't wait to break down what's already been going on in the NASCAR world, as well as our expectations for the 2023 running of the Daytona 500. We'll be back right after this. All right, we are back. And uh, we are just going to kick this thing right off the right way. We're going to start with uh, what is the equivalent of, I guess it would be preseason, I guess, kind of, in NASCAR. I mean, uh, with, I mean uh, it's, it's a, I don't know, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, 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 exhibition. Exhibition. Yeah. yeah, big word. I'm proud of you. But hey, um, look, It's a lot of syllables. Yeah, anyways, but the, uh, the clash race, uh, we just got that behind us weekend before last. Uh, over in uh, Los Angeles at the Coliseum. This is the second year in a row that we've ran out there. And uh, I, I have to say, I think that this year, uh, I think you can see where NASCAR learned a lot from last season. Uh, a few different uh, rule changes and different things that they did uh, as far as the, uh, the the layout of the race that was, I think, significantly better. Um, it, it definitely has its moments uh, where, where it can be a little bit a little bit chaotic, I guess you could say. Uh, but that's not a result of NASCAR doing anything wrong uh, or NASCAR necessarily not not doing something that they should have done or could have done better. That's because of the fact that they were racing on a football field. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, let, let's talk about this, though. That track and how it's set up and the – I mean, the, the general – just the view, it looks – Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, not even going to lie. Like, it is a sharp-looking facility when mm-hmm. they're running um, just a fantastic-looking track. Sun is setting on L.A., fresh pavement. Uh, the stands weren't quite completely packed out, but I think it's no argument that it's a larger crowd than Daytona had for the Clash the last few times it was there. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm I'm pulling for this to work out and for them to go back again. But uh definitely do think that you know, they might need to reconsider things. Um Josh, one of your favorite artists performed. Uh you cannot find a quote where I said that. <laughs> <laughs> let's all right, let's talk about that because I, I think it needs to be addressed. Um NASCAR is trying to certainly make new fans. Is there anything wrong with that necessarily? No, I not at all. No, no. I, and I, I understand you're, you're bringing NASCAR to a, a brand new. Um, I, I don't know. You can't really call it a brand new market because you got Auto Club out there, but you're bringing it to a brand new area, and you're bringing it to an area where a lot of people just, quite frankly, they don't care about racing. Mm-hmm. They, they're looking for an experience. They're looking for uh, an environment they can go and enjoy some loud music and some fun and you know let's just be honest you know they wherever they can get drunk that's that's where they want to be and so uh, they're looking for a party scene and nascar tried to provide a party scene for that race 
Mm. Um, am, am I a fan of the artists that they brought on? No. Um, nah, I mean, I, I, to me, it felt cringy. It, but I'm just watching it on TV. If LA loved it, then, then cool deal, you know? Um, right. Right. I mean, until we hear of them bringing those same artists to Atlanta Motor Speedway or to Charlotte or even to Daytona, I ain't going to complain. Um, you know, they, they, they're going to a market, they're, they're giving them what they supposedly want. And it, it seemed to work. I heard of some people who were at the race who said it really was a phenomenal atmosphere. So I ain't going to hate on it. I think that there were a lot of people who purchased tickets to a concert that got to see a race for the first time and, and they might've made a few fans. So I heard one person say, and I can't remember who, but essentially the, uh, you know, as they were watching fans walk in, I want to say they said about three out of 10 had NASCAR gear on Mm -hmm. and the rest didn't. What that tells me is that probably over half of that crowd was at their first ever NASCAR race. So props to NASCAR for doing something like that. Um, Right. Well, and the thing is too, I don't think that the whole Wiz Khalifa thing, um, I don't think that part was too cringy. It didn't, Wiz Khalifa concert didn't feel as forced as a lot of the pre-race stuff did. Um, at the very beginning of the race, I don't, I don't think, because I think I texted you about it. I don't think you were watching it at the time. But yeah, um, when, uh, like, Cyprus, was it Cyprus uh, Spring, Cyprus something, either way, it was, some night, I think it was nineties. A little before modern your time, but some nineties rap group uh, got on and did like a pre-race concert, and then they had uh, that guy with that new show that was on Corey LaJoy's car, Animal Control. The guy that was starring that show, he did the announcements where he announced it by teams, which is a cool concept. People that were there though did say that that was cringy. Yeah, yeah, that and it and it felt watching it on TV. That part felt a lot more forced and cringy than the than the Wiz Khalifa concert. I mean. Here's the thing. People, most people who are diehard Wiz Khalifa fans, I like some Wiz Khalifa music. I mean, I'm not going to get away from that. I like, I mean, I'm a pretty, I think I'm pretty diverse in the kind of music that I like. I'm not going to go buy tickets to a Wiz Khalifa concert, but I do, there are some of his songs I'm like, well, that's pretty catchy, you know, whatever, give credit where credit's due. However, if the goal in putting Wiz Khalifa as the mid-race performer uh, if the goal there was to take Wiz Khalifa fans, like people who would purchase tickets to his concerts, who don't care about NASCAR, don't care about racing, who've never been to a race, and make them care about NASCAR, putting Wiz Khalifa as the mid-race performer is not going to do that. You either like the sport or you don't, because at the end of the day, no matter how many concerts or fireworks or pre-race festivities, whatever that they put out, NASCAR is still going to be what NASCAR is. Racing is still going to be racing, and you still have to have an interest in that sport in order to be a fan of it, regardless of what bells and whistles they put on. Does that make sense? No, I agree. It's it's a it's a gimmick that that NASCAR does, mm-hmm. and they're gambling. They're hoping that it works, and they're hoping that the people that come for a concert fall in love with the sport and leave saying, "Hey, I'd go back to that." Mm-hmm. And so it's a gamble, and you know, over time we'll see if it pays off. But I think uh, I think there's a chance that it does. But enough for for that. Let's get into the racing action. And uh, man, there was there was some pretty good racing. I was pretty pleased with the racing this year. There yeah. 
was one thing, though, I think we can talk about. Last year, I want to say there were only two cautions. This year, there were something like 47. Um, only exaggerating a little. And uh, let's talk about that. And let's talk about maybe what NASCAR can do differently in the future to avoid that many cautions. I mean, that was a race that took way longer than it definitely needed to. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about that second stage. Um, do you think that – I mean, to, to me and, and – I'm sure you you probably saw the same. It looks like drivers just kind of got frustrated and finally said, "All right, I'm gonna have to move people out of the way." Nothing wrong with moving someone out of the way, mm-hmm. but but it's one thing to go and move someone out of the way. It's another thing to you know do what you see at Bowman Gray Stadium on a Saturday night in the summer, uh, you know, at the old Madhouse there in Winston Salem, North Carolina. And just absolutely punt someone out of your way like that. I mean, it, it got pretty crazy. I'm not saying it was all on purpose, but mm-hmm. I, I think some people just got tired of riding behind people. Um, what, what did you think about all those cautions? Well, so I, I'll I'll answer your question with another question. So in high school, you went to Athens Christian. Did uh, on you guys' football field? Was there a track around that football field? Uh, there was, there was a running track around it. How long was that track? It was the same distance as that track they were racing on. Okay. So in LA, so if wild, isn't it? Yeah. So if we get 20, how many, was there 20, 20 ish in the 20 somewhere vehicles that were racing? Uh, Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's put 20 vehicles on that track and let them race each other. You think there's going to be a lot of cautions? Now, to be fair, the track in L.A. was much wider. Sure, absolutely. But it was still the same length, correct? it was. Now, I will say I've been to Bowman Gray, which is a much more narrow track. And I've seen drivers. You go on a night and, and, and you'll see them go every other lap and spin each other out. Or you'll see them go 80 laps without spinning each other out it it just kind of you never know which kind of a race you're going to get uh but it's possible Mm. and you would think that the best drivers in the world would know the difference between moving someone out of your way and punting someone into the right right well and at the end of the day short tracks breed short track racing i mean that's just how it is you know you're going to you're going to bump. You're going to collide. There's going to be wrecks. There's going to be accidents. There's going to be flags. That's just part of it. That's part of the reason everybody um, likes Bristol so much. And, and, and a lot of these short tracks get so much attention is because a lot of people like the short track racing type of environments. However, I will say um, Bristol dwarfs uh, the Coliseum, obviously. And I, I saw this thing. I don't know if you saw it, but it was this post that NASCAR put on social media this week where it put the size relation of Daytona International Speedway compared to the Coliseum. And you can put the Coliseum end to end five times inside the oval at Daytona. End to end. Insane. Yeah. And so, I mean, that – was it the best ra- – would I rather watch a race at Daytona or Talladega or Bristol or something of that nature or 
the clash of course anybody would rather see those big tracks because those bring more speed even at bristol which is still considered a really small track but um because of the nature of where they're racing at the size of the track things like that it was going to be bad you and you you mentioned to me before we got on and started recording about um denny hamlin and uh you know he was he was talking about how he took some some pretty good licks in that race um as far as a a fault of i guess the car design uh, because nascar made a bunch of changes this season uh going into this season i think they added i saw a graphic they put up in the clash where they put up some some new hardware and different things that they put in the uh, car that make it to where it's a little bit more springy when it contacts, not quite as, as, as hard of an impact. Maybe yeah. you have specifically now, every, every car has a new front clip, but yes. uh, that rear clip. Yes. Specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely uh, have, have new rear end housing and, and bumpers and stuff. But yeah, it, like, like you're mentioning, Denny Hamlin still frustrated. I mean, you know, when you back into a wall going 140 miles an hour, that's one thing you kind of brace for it. You know when it's going to come to an extent. Uh, still not pleasant, but when you are getting rear-ended and pushed into the car in front of you, your head's going back and forth and back and forth. Every single restart, every almost every single corner, I can see how over time that would get mm. very aggravating. Yeah, I could too, and and – I mean, if we're looking for a – everyone knows Denny Hamlin likes to – he's dramatic at times. You've said that. I've said that. Everybody knows that. That's no secret. Um, but I will say this. If we're looking for a car design to where you can get essentially pinballed around, you can get bumped, put in a wall, whatever, and feel no pain, that car design does not exist and is never going to exist. You're in a – car accident you know what i mean and yeah. they, now, they can make the car safe as they can um but there now, comes i think point. it's but i think it's okay to say you know hey yeah you you're always going to feel something right like it you're exactly right you're you're in a car accident you're going 200 miles an hour duh it's gonna hurt yeah but i think it's another thing to say man that hurt more than the previous car did i thought yeah trying to make this sport safer why did we take a step backwards with a new car so i that kind of frustration i'm totally okay you know to say hey we took a step backwards in a sport that's attempting to be safer what are we doing wrong you know yeah yeah and and that's right at the end of the day you make the you make weak points they were talking about i think clip boyer was talking about this in the clash but you make weak points within the nascar itself in order to make it safer for the driver. You, everyone thinks, you know, oh, with these composite bodies, they can take a lick, whatever, which is true. Um, but to an extent, you don't want the car to be so rigid and so tough that when it hits walls like a brick hitting concrete, you want it to give a little bit because that giving is what protects the driver at the end of the day. Everyone wants to see these guys just, I mean, you want to see them just clobber the wall and roll and, then, you know, be able to flip it back over and keep driving. Everybody wants that because it's it's racing. You want to see them continue to go. Um, but the driver's safety obviously takes priority over that. And so I, I get it. You want to feel like they're moving linear, not down uh, the other direction or even stabilizing. You want to feel like they're improving every year, um, not the other direction. And so I, I understand it's just – I guess if it would have came from someone other than Denny, 
I would have taken a little bit more weight with it. But he, he just doesn't have the best reputation. If anybody else on the field uh, who isn't Kyle Bush or Denny Hamlin would have said that, then I would have said, well, you know, maybe they have a point. And uh, it, it could be a, a fault of the, the new car design coming into this season uh, for sure. But moving forward. so Hey, all congrats the- to Truex Jr. for getting a win. It's been yep. a route. And I know it's not a points win, yep. but that is something. And good for him, man. Yeah, and he got that monkey off his back because he went all last season where it just seemed like every time Trix was always right there all season, right? And he was always, you know, on the on the bubble, getting into the playoffs, whatever, at the end of the season. And uh, it just seemed like every time something started to go good for him, his car would just break down. He just kept having mechanical failure. He'd get spun out. Something would happen. Couldn't catch a break. So it was good to see him in victory lane. He's a good driver. Um, he's he's going to – something tells me he's going to win. If not win their championship, he'll at least get in the Final Four at least one more time in his career. And um, and, and he's a good driver. So, it was good to see him finish uh, with the win, whether it was points or not, and uh, kind of get the get the monkey off his back and get back to his winning ways maybe. So, um, but moving forward into uh, what has transpired since the – or actually, I guess before the clash, but what has broken news since the clash – is uh, Mr. Kyle Busch. Um, he needs to read up on international laws, it sounds like, before he goes traveling abroad, don't you think? Yeah, it sounds to me like, I mean, honest mistake, left it in his bag. Yeah. Probably is used to traveling with it across the United States. Uh, yeah. If he is still, and I'd imagine, a resident of, um, you know, Nevada, then I'd imagine that his you know, concealed carrier's permit is accepted in most states. Um, most surrounding states, anyways. Definitely. And so, California might be... Is that California? <laughs> but, so, I, I mean, I can imagine, you know, you're packing a bag for a trip. You had something in there from the previous trip. You don't think to open that pouch, open it up, see what's in there. And... You go on the trip. Yeah. Um, it happens. I mean, I, I mean, I I get it. I'm not. I'm not gonna be one of these guys who's like crucifying him over it. Uh, you know, he cooperated. He did what he was supposed to do. He could have served up to I think three and a half years, um, in a Mexican prison. He was definitely arrested and was in a in a jail for a little while. But uh, you know, they got him home. His lawyers did what they. Were, are you know are paid to do? Kyle probably had to fork out a ton of money. Well, he has a NASCAR driver's bank account, so it's okay. Yeah, well, you know <laughs> that ain't what it was in two thousand five too, though. So, um, still though, just looking at the amount that he probably had to pay to get out, he said it's something like maybe around seventy thousand dollars, and I do think that that's something that he can kind of cough at. So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that it's that big of a deal, but all I know is. I want to start next to him at the Chicago Street Course. That's right. You you gonna need have to be packing if you go to Chicago Street Course. So, mm. but uh, but yeah, me and you we're we're both kind of on the on the same page with that. Both of us are pretty. Both of us have a concealed carry and and believe in that. And I mean, I'm we're both pretty good advocates. I I believe you are, but obviously I know I am. But for constitutional carry, all that stuff. So for sure. without getting too political, uh, I do think that that I mean it was it was a mistake. 
being someone who has traveled with the firearm before, a lot of times you get so used to carrying it, putting it in your bag, throwing it in your bag, you just don't really think about it. And uh, and and it happens. So it, and no doubt, I'm sure with him being a, a a famous athlete or any anybody famous really for that matter, a lot of times you can tend to find trouble uh, just because of your name, because everyone's looking for a avenue to uh, take a jab at your reputation a lot of times. So I could see where where that can make you a little bit more vulnerable for an instance like that to take place. Um, but, you know, that's water under the bridge. He took care of business. He's back in NASCAR, so I don't think that's going to have any sort of a of an effect uh, on the season. But isn't it – this is a little bit of a sidetrack from kind of where we were going with this whole thing. But isn't it weird seeing him in the Chevrolet? Honestly, no. Um, really? It takes me back to my childhood days watching NASCAR. Yeah. Uh, my first ever race that I went to in 2004 – he was driving the number five Chevrolet Monte Carlo in the Bush series. And so to me, it uh it's a throwback. Yeah. And it feels right. And I'm not gonna lie, I caught myself wanting to see him succeed. For sure. For sure. Weird, man. That's a weird feeling. Yeah, I know. And see, I'm not me, used to me, that. You both dude. used to like, extremely dislike Kyle Bush, right? I mean we we both have been been caught saying several times even on here that we really don't want to see him succeed, and uh, it's weird because now it's NASCAR isn't the same sport if Kyle Busch isn't in it. Absolutely, he uh, he he's kind of like a like a Conor McGregor type of figure, so to speak. Uh, if anyone uh, pays attention to UFC, you know he's a, he's a he's a loud mouth <laughs> in UFC. Yeah. Uh, he's notorious for that. Um, and he brings a lot of a lot of negative press towards himself because of his mouth. However, what you can't take away from him is he has brought the sport into the spotlight more than probably anybody else has in a while. Just like Kyle Busch, people say he's a big baby. People say that he complains a lot, which he does. You know, he does complain a lot, and he does blame a lot of other people for things. And he can have some some pretty funny. Uh, takes on on instances that happen during the race, but he brings publicity to the sport because you're talking about NASCAR. You're talking about, hey, did you did you hear about what that that driver NASCAR Kyle Busch? You hear what he said? You know what I mean? And so okay. it's it's good for the sport. So I'm glad that he, you know, is stuck around. He, I'm glad he's not trying to retire or, or walk away from the sport or anything like that. So good for him. I'd like to see him succeed too, for sure. All right. So that being said, we got to Wednesday of this week and what used to be known as speed weeks, which is now speed half a week, mm-hmm. um, is, uh, in Daytona, no practice whatsoever. Uh, to me, that's a big thumbs down. Yep. I um, I don't understand why you do not let teams go and shake a car down on a track before qualifying. Just, just give them 20 minutes to make sure it runs. Yeah. You know, Connor Daly couldn't get his car cranked and off pit road. For qualifying, if they had had a practice, that's something that could have been adjust, you know addressed and adjusted. And you know, when he rolled off for the duel, his car looked awful. I mean, it was shaking up and down. It looked like he was driving on a gravel road. Yeah, uh, and and not just any gravel road. I mean, one that needed to be resurfaced for the last seventeen years. But you keep calling the county, and they keep saying we will get out there next week, and then they don't do it. Like one of those roads. I mean, it was awful. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, that was. You know, give these teams a chance. Give them a chance. 
Yeah. Sure, you can say, oh, but Chase Elliott's just going to get out there and make his car better. You know, Kyle Larson's going to get those big guys, the big money, they're going to make their cars better. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. They know what they got before they get to the track. Will they adjust on some stuff? Well, sure. Everyone will. They know what they got, though, before they get to the track. They got the money, too. Mm-hmm. These little teams that need that time. It's just that time to get on the track and, and make it a little bit better. But qualifying went about how I expected it. Chase Elliott lately has opted out of speed in qualifying, and he's just said, hey, look, give me a good handling car. So he qualified 14th, which meant he rolled off 7th in his duel. On the last lap, he, he began that lap in 8th. And, uh, you know, some stuff shook up in the front. He was able to maneuver that thing all the way up to a third-place finish, which means he'll roll off, uh, you know, let's see, eight. No, my bad. Yeah, eight. Yeah, he's eight. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah, right now. eight for the date, which means i got to fix my post on Instagram because I definitely put seven. Um, but anyway, <laughs> he will roll off uh, eight for the Daytona 500. Not a bad starting spot at all. Yeah, excited to see how he will uh, run. Um, but, you know, to talk about the guys at the front, Denny Hamlin said on his podcast last week, he said, look, the Fords are going to show up with speed. And sure enough, who do we see sitting at the top of the chart for the longest time? Forge, Forge, Forge. That 14 car, man, didn't look like anyone was going to beat him. And then uh, Kyle Larson lays down a lap. That was just amazing. And then Alex Bowman goes out there and gets him. And it was just like, what? Uh, and then to see the lap that Alex Bowman laid down in the second round of qualifying. I mean, he was almost half a second faster than um, 10th place. Just a huge, huge gap. And you could tell, too, like he paid for that in his dual race. I mean, he, he got shuffled out of line. And he went straight to the back and just rode laps. He did not have handling at all. What I'm going to be interested in watching is Kyle Larson, who is starting on the outside of the front row. Kyle Larson had a really good handling car, raced his whole duel, brought home a top five finish, will start second in the Daytona 500. Kyle Larson might be a threat to win this thing. Um, Kyle Larson's always a threat to win. Always a threat to win. But he, he seems to not really show up at the restrictor play races as much. Uh, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he gets that done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, now let's – one thing I want to settle really quick, and then we're going to get into our Daytona 500 expectations. Um, or two things I want to settle. First thing, let's talk about Connor Daly for a second. Made the Daytona 500 over uh, Beard Motorsports – car the 62 that austin hill was driving austin hill obviously had some speed racing in the pack gets wrecked connor daly who couldn't keep up with the pack makes the race because he was not close enough to be involved in the big one Uh, had some luck had some help do you think the system to make the daytona 500 is broken or do you think that sometimes life just comes at you fast I wouldn't say that it's really. I wouldn't say that it's really broken. I'll I'll be I'll be totally upfront with you. I'm not a thousand percent uh, caught up with exactly the way that the duels work. 
in conjunction with uh, qualifying. I do know that the duels dictate uh, your lanes, inside lane, outside lane, things like that. I do understand that, obviously. Um, but other than just the basic qualifying, and I mean, obviously, I know that it your your duels affect where you start in conjunction with your qualifying, obviously. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on exactly how they work because Daytona is the only race that they do this for. Um, and so since I've only seen it once a year, I've only really been – anyone who's listening knows that yeah. uh, last year I didn't know anything about NASCAR. And so I'm, I'm only a year into right. this thing, so I'm not – Well, hey, let's break it down really quick because that's a good question. A lot of our listeners might want to know. Uh-huh. And in short, there are 42 cars attempting to fill the 40 spots in the Daytona 500. So obviously mm. two of them will miss the 500, right? Mm. So here's the way that this works. And it, it worked out really even specifically yesterday just because of the way that everything broke down. Uh, but but essentially, here's, here's how this works. In, all right, so you've got six cars that do not have charters. So there are 36 cars with charters. And mm. to explain how the charter system works, teams own charters. Hendrick Motorsports owns four charters. They own a charter for the nine, a charter for the 48, a charter for the five, and a charter for the 24. Mm-hmm. And each team has a specific amount of charters. To, if you have a charter, you have a guaranteed starting spot in a race. Right. There's only 36 charters in the Cup Series. Those last six spots, or those last six drivers, did not have a charter. So the drivers trying to make the dates on a 500 were Jimmy Johnson. Mm-hmm. Travis Pastrana, Connor Daly, who else? Uh, the two Smiths, Chandler Smith and Chandler uh, Smith. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who was the other Smith? Right. Was it Riley Herbst? No, Riley Herbst is in. That's it was, right. it was another Smith. Um, Chandler Smith and Zane Smith. Zane Smith. Zane Smith. Yep. Zane Smith made it in the in the front row motorsports car, and Chandler Smith missed it. And then uh, we said Connor Daly already. Oh, Austin Hill. So those are the six drivers. When they qualify, spots 37 and 38 get locked in on speed. And so of all of the six cars to go and qualifying on Wednesday night, the first or the fastest two cars get locked into the Daytona 500 on speed. So the fastest two cars were Jimmy Johnson and Travis Pastrana. Mm-hmm. So on Wednesday night, they were locked in, which mm-hmm. meant now there's only four cars battling to get those two spots. But just so happened, and it worked out really parallel. I mean, it was just just worked out beautifully for – there were three cars in each race that were trying to get into the Daytona 500. Jimmy Johnson was in one of them with two drivers, and the Travis Pastrana was in the other with two drivers, which meant for the other two drivers in each race, they had to finish ahead of the other one to make the Daytona 500. Okay. So for Zane Smith and Chandler Smith, they're racing against each other. If they finish 19th and 20th, whoever's 19th gets into the Daytona 500. Kind of like heat races is almost what it sounds like. Similar. Very similar. Very similar yeah. concept. Yeah. 
Now they could finish second and third or even first and second. You could finish second place in this race and miss the dates on a 500 if the person that wins the race is the one that you're trying to beat, to right. get, which right. is insane. So that was not the case. In the first race, honestly, Zane Smith just had the – had the. Uh, he just had the experience. And so he got in, and uh, I believe Chandler Smith sped on pit road and had some other trouble, and he missed the race. Mm. And the second race. And in that first race, the two cars, they were pretty sporty. They, they were running with each other pretty well in the pack and everything. And the second race, you had Austin Hill, Connor Daly. Connor Daly's car could not keep up with the pack. They couldn't. Austin mm. Hill was running with the pack. Playing it safe near the tail end, just trying to get through. Well, sure enough, he gets involved in the wreck. Mm. Which means he parks it, Connor Daly makes the Daytona 500. So, it's... To me... um it, it, it's not going to make it as good of a race because Connor Daly is not going to be able to keep up unless they make some drastic steps in practice on Saturday. Which, let's be honest, are they are they going to be able to? Does it matter what they do to it? Because the financial capability yeah. of a non-chartered ride compared to everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's non-chartered rides, you know, like uh, 2311 is fielding Travis Pastrana's car. Right, right, yeah. Which is a non-chartered car, but it's on a incredible it's team. It's on a team, yeah. yeah. Um, Legacy Motor Club, formerly known as Petty GMS, is building Jimmy Johnson's car on a on a solid team, team right. that's known for having speed in the past. So, uh, you know, it makes sense that those two drivers got in on speed. But, yeah, I mean, the, the rest of these teams. But, you know, even Beard Motorsports, they only do the super speedway races. And they're competitive. They're always competitive. Hmm. And so it's just, to me, you see a team like Beard Motorsports who says, hey, look, we've got our set. This is what we do. And we're competitive. We bring a good, we, Beard Motorsports contributes to the value of the Daytona 500 in terms of the money team does not. Yeah. And so, yeah, to me, you know, I, I hate, hated to see that happen. I've got nothing against the money team. I've got nothing against Connor Daly, uh, but just the fact of the matter is that's one less competitive car in the Daytona 500 now. Right, yeah. And it, it sounds to me, this is probably just my simple mind, but if we're looking for the fastest cars who will give you the best race, the best product of a Daytona 500, which is the goal, correct? That's right. And if that's, the, if that's what we're shooting for here, then why not, when they qualify, you know, they can do practice, whatever, like normal, do qualify. And then why not just have the slowest, the the bottom two not make the race? Like the bottom two times, bottom two speeds, whatever. So there, there is an answer for that. And I, I say, you know, because every now and then you're going to have everyone could be competitive. You know what I mean? Like every now and then you, there's going to be a time where you wish that you had put them in an opportunity to make it in in the class or in the duel. Right. So I, I think instead of that, 
I think there should be a time limit. Yeah. I think after practice, NASCAR should go and say, if you can't make a lap mm. in under 52 seconds and you are not a chartered car, then you don't get to race in the duel. Right. And that makes sense. I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind seeing a rule like that, you know. I mean, of course, they'd have to have a different number every year. This mm. year, you know, the number 52 would be pretty solid, maybe 52-5, you know. Because um, mm. the, the pole was a 49-6. And it's like, oh, man, they're only three seconds behind. I don't, I don't think you realize how slow you have to be to lose three seconds. On a, on a track that big, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, pr- pretty, pretty doggone slow. So, uh, because anyway. the, whole pack, the whole pack drives by you. If, if you're in a race at, like Daytona, never been there, but I've seen um, races obviously on TV. You know, you have the camera angle where they have from the, from the side of the wall. The whole, the whole pack is by you in, what, a second and a half, two seconds tops? No, it's and bad. so, three seconds. I mean, you're you're way the heck back there. You're pulling up the caboose of this thing back there. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we got that cleared up. Um, really quick, no explanation. I don't want you to. Uh, you don't explain it. We're just going to give names, and then we're going to roll on to the next one. I didn't prepare you for this topic. Who hmm. is in your mind the best NASCAR driver to never win the Daytona 500? I want to hear yours first. You go first. Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart. <clears throat> so, I would, I would, I'd say that's a good one. Um, wow. I mean, you're you're talking about. There's not many guys who won a Daytona 500. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you talk about how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of drivers have raced. Um, I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to come back on that one. I, I will. Everyone who listens knows this. I think the best driver to win only one Daytona 500 is, obviously, the Intimidator. But, um, obviously, that's a different topic. I'd have to come back to you on that one. I think the best current driver, who has never won a Daytona 500, obviously, I would think would probably be Chase Elliott. Um, that's I just think Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch, yeah. Kyle, so you think Kyle Busch is a better driver than Chase? And I, I say that based off of career. Yeah, um, I can you know, see that. I Chase see. has the potential to one day be better than Kyle Busch. Sure. But currently, Kyle Busch has the more prestige to career. So, um, yeah. Right. Hold on. Let me c- continue on kind of going on that same theme. I kind of want to do some – because I'm curious now to know who I think would be the uh, the uh, best driver to uh, never win Daytona. But, I mean – if you think about how many different, because we talked about this last season, right? About drivers who've never won Daytona uh, before, and then you have an exact number of how many different guys have won the Daytona 500. Potentially, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I can, I can think of some other drivers that never won the Daytona 500. You know, like Mark Martin. You know, one of the best. Yeah. To, to never win that race, but. You look, the majority of the guys who are champions in this sport, especially multiple-time, you know, champions, have won the Daytona 500. You think about guys like Jeff Gordon. You think about guys like even, you know, Kurt Busch. You think about, uh, 
Let's see. I'd uh, say I'd say Rusty Wallace is up there too, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for I put sure. Him up there. Yeah, Tony uh, Stewart is. Un, un, I mean, I don't think anybody disagree with that. Tony Stewart's the best driver to never win Daytona. Yeah, three championships. Uh, he he's he's kind of like Dale Earnhardt. He had won everything to win at Daytona except the Daytona 500. Yeah. Except uh, obviously Earnhardt got it done. Stewart never did. So. Right. All right, enough about talking about the past. Let's talk about the future. Daytona 500 this Sunday afternoon. Mm. I'm stoked. Finally here. Can't wait to see those cars on track, see them take the green flag. It's a beautiful thing, and Mm. uh, I'm excited. So let's go ahead, Josh. Tell me who's going to win the Daytona 500 and why. So I'm about to throw you with an absolute curveball with this one. Um, best shot, Chris Busher. You know that's not that bad of a curveball. So, but tell me why. Okay, for a few reasons. First off, I told you last season when Chris, I think he won the second race at Bristol last year. Is that right? It wasn't. It, was it he Bristol? Or yeah, was he it? won. He won the points race at Bristol on yep. the concrete, and yeah. he did win his dual race at Daytona last year before the five hundred. Yep. Yep. And. Chris Busher, he's RFK is not the best equipment. It is definitely not Spire Motorsports. It's definitely not front row. It's better than that. It's probably middle of the road equipment. Um, I would say you probably would agree with that. And so, given the equipment that he has, Chris Busher is a better race car driver than his car owner is than Keselowski. Currently, I mean, I, right. I would find it hard to argue that just if you look at how he consistently he doesn't does he win four or five races a year no is he gonna win the championship this year no but he's gonna win at least one two maybe even three races this season and he consistently you see him in the top if not the top 10 the top 15 pretty regularly as long as he's not wrecking out or having some sort of mechanical issues where he just doesn't finish he's pretty consistently near the top of the the uh the finishing uh grid and so if you pair that with the fact that Ford's ran good ran extremely good for the duels up to this point um Daytona is always the equalizer last year he had Austin Cendrick Austin Cendrick is not an elite driver yeah good but he's not an elite driver and he he won Daytona last season did absolutely nothing else the rest of the season um you met to I think the round of 12 and then you got eliminated in the playoffs maybe that round of eight um but either way he um he he finished first in Daytona, and Daytona with it being a restrictor plate race is an equalizer with that. And so I think all those things culminate together and give Chris Busher a good shot. It's kind of like a wild card pick, kind of, uh, if you want to say that. So that's my pick. But who do you have? Um, I went with him last year. I'm going to ride with him until he gets one. But I like the way his car looked uh, last night. I got Chase Elliott winning the Daytona 500. And I thought you picked Corey honest, LaJoy. What's that? You picked Corey LaJoy last year. Did I? I did. I did yep. pick Corey LaJoy last year to win the Daytona 500. Wow. Your memory's better than mine. Um, <laughs> so, which isn't saying a lot, so don't get too excited. But, uh, yeah, no. Um, and, and LaJoy could. Like, let's just be honest. He could win it this year. Mm-hmm. Would not be surprising to see him in victory lane. He's, he's a kid with plate racer. Uh, but Chase Elliott. Last year, I feel like he came into his own as a plate guy, as a super speedway guy. 
with wins at Talladega. And then, of course, the way that Atlanta races now is just so similar to Daytona. It's not the same, but it's similar. Mm-hmm. So, to be honest, I think I think Chase Elliott knows what it takes to get it done. He's he's finished runner up in this race. He knows what it takes to get it done, and I, I think he's going to go out there and execute on Sunday. That's not a bad pick. Not a bad pick at all. So, real quick before we go. Um, I just kind of want to throw this question in and kind of surprise you with this one. Um, gut reaction, or I guess uh, what that's not really the right terminology. Uh, your shooting from the hip, so to speak, pick to win the championship this season. We haven't done that this year. We haven't, and we need to. Let's go ahead and make our championship picks. Um, go first. Man, that that is an excellent question, and you know I, I want to say. I want to say Chase Elliott because I, I don't think he'll be n- denied two years in a row if he has another really good dominant season. Mm-hmm. I think he's angry after the way – not angry, but, you know, I, th- I think he's upset about how last season ended. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pick him to win the championship, though. I'm going – man. Man, I – can't believe I'm going to say this, dude. Can't believe I'm going to say it. Denny Hamlin mm-hmm. finally will get it done. That'd be the worst possible outcome. Yeah, I'm not a Denny Hamlin fan at all. But I can't <laughs> believe that he's going to finish his career with, you know, everything that he has won and not win a championship. You know what I mean? I just – yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying that his career is almost over, but it, it definitely isn't just getting started. So, uh, I think Denny Hamlin. That's what actually I, not a bad pick. I mean, give credit credits to He's a He's an elite driver, and he'll definitely go in the Hall You can't win Daytona three times not going to Hall of Fame. So, he's going to go in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, I mean, I don't like him, but he deserves it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> so, um I'll go with uh, number one on the racetrack and number one in your hearts, the watermelon man. Uh, I can see Ross Chastain pulling it out. Uh, he is awesome. he is an elite driver. He uh, his from everything to his persona, the move everyone knows the move. Uh, last season at the end of the race, uh, when he slingshotted around the wall, there's now banned from NASCAR for some reason. Um, everyone knows about that move, and he's just he's just a good good for the sport. Um, kind of like Kyle Busch, except he's not he's not as much of a complainer. So I I would go with uh, Ross Chastain. Uh, I'd be I'd be happy with that. I'd be content with that. Um, and uh, and I think that, that he'll have a good season again. He'll pull out several wins. And uh, may, heck, maybe he might he may even win someday. So we'll see what happens. So that's exciting. Yep. You got an exciting season up ahead, coming off of one of the best modern era NASCAR seasons. And um, I'm really excited to see what's going to go down this year. And, of course, Josh, you and I are looking forward to potentially and and more than likely now being at the Coca-Cola 600 Mm -hmm. this year. So that's going to be fun, something to look forward to, a live uh, episode. We'll we'll have to do one live race day from the track. That'll be a great time. Mm -hmm. Excited about that. But uh, it's going to be a fun season. Can't wait to watch. Can't wait to watch the race on Sunday. And it is going to be an absolute blast. That's right. That's right. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a good season, long season. But uh, but I've between football 
season being over in this, we got to do something. I'm going crazy. So, <laughs> absolutely. Well, hey, look, and it, it, we're going to go ahead and put this out there on the podcast world now. Um, I'm going to have a little buddy join me just in time for uh, football season next year. So, uh, yes, Allie and I expecting a little boy. Um, and uh, so I'm excited about that. This is this NASCAR season is going to help some time fly past. Cause I just can't wait to meet this kid, man. And I, I know, you know, the feeling because you've already, you've already got a little one and, and I just, man, I can't wait, dude. That's right. That's right. Soak it all up. Enjoy it. And you'll so, have your little NASCAR buddy next. That season. being said, y'all submit uh, on Instagram. Y'all, y'all slide in our DMS and y'all hit us with the best NASCAR drivers and the best Georgia football players to name a child after. Uh, or to name a son after, so uh, y'all y'all definitely hit us up with those. <laughs> You're gonna get at least 25 Stetsons in there. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Go ahead and prepare for that. So. <laughs> well, man, this episode has been an absolute blast. I can't wait. Uh, an episode that's coming up that y'all can look forward to. We're gonna break down our top 10 Georgia football games of our lifetime. We're going to actually work together, put together a list that we agree on. And we're going to present that to y'all. We can't wait to do that and to have y'all kind of critique it and see what y'all think. Uh, so it's going to be a, a, a good time. So be looking forward to that episode coming out in the future. But it is NASCAR season now. And we yep. are ready to roll. That's right. That's right. So we always sign it off the same way. So what do we say, Kent? Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs>